welcome to the podcast for St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church, a loving, caring, overcoming community of faith where our mission is making disciples of Jesus Christ. So about six years ago, um, on a vacation to Orlando, um, we decided to get out of the craziness of Orlando and take the kids to uh, Cocoa Beach, which is just outside of Orlando. It's not the first time our kids had been to the beach, but it's the first time that Eli, our son, he's now 13, was old enough to give body surfing or boogie boarding a try. And so... um, We were excited. I was excited. I'm not much of a beach person. I don't really have the body for it. Um, But I do like like trying to body surf. I emphasize trying because I'm actually pretty terrible at it. Not good at it all. Um, I remember all the times I've gone to the ocean trying to body surf or boogie board and just the waves right over me every time. And so um, I remember that morning, Eli grabbing his boogie board and me grabbing mine, and we begin walking the journey out into the ocean. We're going deeper and deeper and deeper, and I could see how nervous he is. Um, And I kind of felt silly myself because um, here I am trying to teach my son to do something that I can't do myself. Um, And as I think about that, that's about 50% of parenting, right? About 50% of it is us trying to teach our kids to do something that we can't do ourselves. And so I felt silly, but I was like, hey, this is fun. This is a shared experience. And so we waited. Wave after wave come. We waited, we waited. You have to be patient um, when you're body surfing. And uh, finally, you, you just kind of get this sense. There's this swell, and, and I knew this was it. And so as this wave begins to build, I yell to Eli, now! And both of us grab our boards, and we jump. And uh, once again, I shot to the bottom, wave over me. I jumped up worried. Where's Eli? Looking for him. Did he go under as well? And I look up and way out in front of me, he's on top of this wave just flying all the way back to the beach. And he gets back to the beach and he jumps up and he has this huge smile on his face and he's excited and he's immediately running back out into the ocean to where I am ready for the next wave. And the next wave comes and nothing. And the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And by the end of the day, by the end of our time at the beach, he didn't hit another wave. And he was so frustrated. He was so angry. In some sense, he didn't have any fun at all. He missed out on this incredible day at the ocean because he was so focused on trying to recreate a memory, recreate a moment, recreate an experience. And as I think about Eli that day, I think at times we have a tendency to do that same thing or something very similar when it comes to our faith. We think back to the moment we gave our life to Christ and we decided that we were going to follow Him. We think back to maybe that incredible moment at camp. We're on a mission trip. Or a, a powerful moment in worship where the presence of God was so evident. And then we spend our lives trying to recreate those feelings, trying to recreate the moment, 
And as when it doesn't happen the way we want it to, and we don't experience those same things, then at times we can maybe begin to question God. God, where are you? Why don't I feel you the way I did? Or we can question ourselves, what's wrong with me? Why can't I feel or have that same experience now that I had back then? And as a result, we can end up missing on the great things that God has for us right here and right now because we're so focused on trying to replicate and duplicate a memory and feelings. I would argue, when it comes to our faith, that we should spend way less time trying to duplicate memories and feelings and more time on obediently following Jesus. Right? Our focus should be on obedience when it comes to our faith, not trying to duplicate feelings and emotions. Stirring up the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives doesn't come from trying to replicate a moment, but from obediently following Jesus right now. Right now. It's in our obedience where the power of the Holy Spirit is unleashed in our lives which is what we're actually going to look at in today's text, right? As we've journeyed through the book of Acts over the last several weeks and discussed the creation of the church, we've seen the great persecution and the threats that they faced. And here in Acts 5, they're once again facing opposition. Once again, it's right there in front of them. They had just been thrown in jail again, Right? But this time an angel of the Lord appears and sets them free and then commands them to go back to the temple and begin preaching again. I don't know about you, but I'm, in that moment I'm probably thinking, thinking, no thank you. We were just thrown in jail again. We were just threatened again. But if you remember a couple weeks ago, D.A. preached on they were praying for boldness. Right? So many times I'm praying for protection. I'm praying for protection. God, protect my babies. Protect my kids. Nothing wrong with that, but maybe I need to start praying for boldness for them. And that's what the early church was doing. They were praying for boldness, and so they go right back, right back into the temple, right back to telling everyone about Jesus. Word gets back to the religious leaders, and so they capture the disciples again, pull them together and say, guys, this has got to stop. No more. We're going to beat you, we're going to kill you, we're going to imprison you. No more. Stop it. And that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 29. We're going to be looking at verses 29 through 32. And this is their response, once again, to the religious leaders saying, stop it. But Peter and the apostles replied, we must obey God rather than any human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. And then one of my favorite lines in the entire Bible, verse 32. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, who is given by God to those who obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Obedience is a common theme throughout the Bible. Over and over again, we see the importance, the significance of obedience, even to the extent that the gift of the Holy Spirit in this passage is linked to our obedience to God. There is a connection here. 
If we wonder why the power of the Holy Spirit is not as evident in the church today as maybe what we read in Acts and back in the early church, then maybe it's because we as the church aren't as obedient to God today as what we read in the Bible 2,000 years ago. Maybe we don't have the boldness that they had to be obedient no matter what. Right? They understood that the gospel is not only that Jesus is our Messiah and Savior, but he's also our Lord. Meaning following Jesus, being a Christian, is about obedience. It's about obedience. Right? Jesus doesn't just shape our beliefs, but he also gets to shape our actions, the way we live our lives. Right? If you remember Jesus' call in Matthew 4, as he's walking along the Sea of Galilee, and there's a couple of brothers casting their nets. His call is, come follow me. Right? Follow Jesus. That requires action. That requires a step-by-step imitation of Jesus. The core of that is obedience. We can't simply say, I believe certain things about God. I believe certain doctrines. I have right doctrine. And then live our lives however we want. The two don't go together. A recent article I read makes the point that the word disciple is used 269 times in the New Testament. And the word Christian is only used three times. Only used three times. No matter how badly we want to be the Lord of our lives, no matter how badly we want to do what we want to do, no matter how badly we want to call the shots, following Jesus, being a disciple, isn't just about victory over death and eternity in heaven. It's also about obedience. Obediently following Jesus step by step. And obedience is hard. Right? I struggle and have struggled with obedience. My parents will be worshiping with us this, uh, later in the third service. And if you were to ask them about me and my obedience, they would back it up really quick. Yes, he was a pretty disobedient kid. I got in trouble quite a bit, whether it was with my mouth or just wanting to do whatever I wanted to do. I struggled with obedience, and that has leaked over into following Jesus at times. At times where I know God is calling me to something, and I struggle with that. And I know that that's a common thing for us as followers of Christ, is to struggle with obedience. Right? The idea of obedience can remind us of some authority figure that was too strict or took things too far. Right? Maybe we've been hurt by the church in the past. And that becomes an obstacle to obediently following Jesus because the church who we're called to be a part of in some way has hurt us. All right, obedience might remind you of the times that you failed or felt helpless and hopeless as a result. Right, we have a tendency to feel like, well, I'm just going to mess it up. I mess it up every time. And that becomes an obstacle to obediently following Jesus. Ultimately, obedience requires humility. It requires submission and it requires trust. And maybe, even in some cases, a little bit of forgetfulness of our past experiences, our past failures, our past feelings and struggles with obedience. But almost always, obedience calls us into uncomfortable places. It calls us out of our comfort zones. So there's a couple of reasons I want to highlight this morning why obedience is so important. And first, obedience to God honors the authority of God. Obedience to God honors the authority of God. It's not enough to just recognize the authority of Scripture as the voice of God. 
God wants us to actually honor it through our obedience. That's what we read in James 1, verses 22 through 24. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. Don't just listen to it. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. Nothing, I'm going to emphasize nothing, drives me crazier than when I walk into my child's room and I ask them to do something and they look me in the eyes and they shake their head and they say, okay, dad, I got it. And then they go right back to doing what they were doing. Drives me insane. Any parents, can I get an amen? Right? It's hard. It's hard. I feel like it's a constant battle every day. Hey, Eli, Addy, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. Okay, yeah, we'll do it. And then an hour later, right? An hour later. Right? The Bible is a tangible way that God has and is revealing himself to us. His will to us, his commands to us, and his disciples who recognize that Jesus is Savior and Lord, we're called to be obedient to his will and those commands. We can't just say, okay, God, that's a really good idea. I'm glad I read this this morning. And then turn right around and do whatever we want. Right? We can't do that. It's in our obedience to God that we honor his authority. But it's also in our obedience to God that shows our love for God. It shows our love for God. It's actually the primary way, I would argue, that we show our love for God, even above singing songs of praise and worship. Even above that, right? Out of response to God's love for us and His faithfulness, right? We're not obedient so that God will love us. Obedience is a response to God already loving us. We don't earn His love, right? And it's, and it's in that response that we show our love in return through our obedience, at least according to Jesus, these are Jesus' words, so if you disagree with me, you're disagreeing with Jesus. John 14, this is what Jesus says. He's, he's teaching his disciples. He's talking to his disciples. He's preparing to go to the cross. And this is what he says, starting in verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Once again, we see this connection between the gift of the Holy Spirit and our obedience to God. Right? And it's in our obedience to God that we show our love for him. And so if you back up a chapter, John 13, in, in this long um, teaching that Jesus has with his disciples. He's laying out a new way, a new vision, a new call. And this is what he says in verse 34 of chapter 13. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. This is what Jesus is calling his disciples to obey. If you love me, obey my commandments. Love each other. Obediently following Jesus and loving each other prepares our hearts for the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit and shows our love for God. Right? If you want it to be evident in your life that you love God, obey Him. Obediently follow Jesus. Obedience is the key to stirring up the Holy Spirit and experiencing the true power of God on a daily basis. Right? And don't think of obedience as a way to get what you want out of God. 
Right? It's not this way where I'm going to be obedient so, I, so God will do what I want. Right? The Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit shows up when the Holy Spirit wants to show up. The Holy Spirit empowers us with gifts when the Holy Spirit wants to, and whatever gifts the Holy Spirit feels that we need in that moment to build up the church. <clears throat> While there isn't a formula to make the Holy Spirit appear, we learn from the early church that obedience, obedience is the way that we can begin to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Here's another way to think about it. <clears throat> Maybe you're like me and you're a visual learner. Um, that was why I struggled in school so often. So I've got a visual for us, right? When we confess our sins to Jesus, when we, like the disciples, drop our nets, leave everything behind and obediently follow him, believe that he is Lord, confess that he is Lord, believe that he was risen from the dead and is alive today, our sins are forgiven, right? Scripture says you're, you're, you're as white as snow, as white as this milk. Jesus' love, Jesus being Lord of our lives, cleanses us. We're forgiven. But it's not just forgiveness that we receive at our salvation. Right? When we choose to follow Jesus, it's not just forgiveness that we receive. We also receive the Holy Spirit. And not just a little bit of Holy Spirit, but we are filled with the Holy Spirit. When you look at this, is it chocolate milk? Not really, right? The chocolate is in the milk, but it's not until we stir the milk that it becomes chocolate milk. And the same is true as believers, as followers of Christ, right? We have access to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in us. But it's not until we stir the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives through our obedience that we begin to experience the fullness and the power that God has for us. Obedience is what unlocks that. God is faithful. God is who he says he is, and he'll do all he has promised. So we can and should be obedient to him. Here's a couple of passages that remind us of God's faithfulness. It reminds us of why we can trust him. Deuteronomy 32.4, he is the rock. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong. How just and upright he is. Or Hebrews 10.23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Right? We can be obedient because God is faithful and trustworthy. We don't have to question that. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. And my prayer this morning is that each of us would grow so much in our trust of God that just like the early church, obedience would become second nature to us. That whatever is holding us back from obediently following Jesus, and it might be something different for each of us. Maybe it's our pride. Maybe our ego is holding us back, or our selfishness, our laziness, fear or past pain or past failures, that we would confess and surrender those to God this morning and commit to obediently following Jesus wherever, whenever, and however. Right? That we would be intentional and consistent in studying the Bible and understanding that God, who God is calling us to do, and who God is calling us to be. 
right? God is calling the church to some incredible things. He is calling us to do incredible, incredible things, and I have no doubt that that is and will continue to take place at St. Andrews. And it's through our obedience that we become who God is calling us to be. And then my prayer is that we would boldly and obediently live out our calling in a world that is hurting and in desperate need of Jesus, in desperate need of his hope, in desperate need of his love. Let's pray.